welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on January 17th, 2016, on the basis of Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 7. So which carries more weight for you, words or actions? You're probably aware there's that old saying that actions speak louder than words, and we can all think of examples where that is in fact the case. But maybe you're also aware that there's an equally old saying that says that the pen is mightier than the sword. Have you heard that one? Basically saying that words are more powerful than actions. And if we thought hard enough, we could think of examples where that's true as well. So for you personally, which is it? Is it words or is it actions? I want you to consider that question today especially in light of a recent article that was published in New York Times Magazine. The article suggested that 2015 was the year in which Americans obsessed over identity more than ever before. Both in real life and on screen, some of the stories that grabbed the most headlines this year focused around that topic of identity focused on situations and stories where people sort of challenged our perceptions and our convictions about identity, people that maybe came up with unconventional answers to that question, who do you really think that you are? I realize that as we think about some of those stories that involve things like racial identity or even gender identity, it's very easy for us as as people in general, to sort of have a very gut reaction, an, an emotional knee-jerk reaction. It's very natural for us to maybe think that we should add our tiny little voice to all of the buzz that's going on in the world around us. But when stories like that arise, I think it's important first and foremost for us as Christians to realize that some of the struggles that people have with identity are really nothing more than symptoms of a problem that all of us share. You see, God created us to want an identity, an identity that we are not only confident of, but content with. An identity that we're not only sure of, but satisfied with. And the problem comes in when so often we perceive a disconnect between the person that we sense we ought to be and the person that we actually are. Maybe it's goals that we've set that remain unachieved. Maybe it's dreams that we once had that remain unfulfilled. Maybe it's behaviors that we know have hurt people that we love. Maybe it's nothing more than a physical appearance that, that we seem to be unsatisfied with. Whatever the cause might be, all of us are really born for and destined to a very real crisis of identity. The good news is God has a solution. In fact, we might rightly say that the very reason God gave us his word, the very reason Jesus established his church, the very reason that I stand up here before you each and every week is to help solve that crisis of identity, to help people find the identity that they long for that's what God wants for you, how would you prefer him to do it? 
Would you prefer him to tell you or would you prefer him to show you? In other words, as you try and answer that all-important question, who do you really think you are? Do you prefer words or actions? As we turn our attention to the words that are in the book of the prophet Isaiah this morning, we see right away that when it comes to words, there are no words more powerful than God's. In fact, as he introduces himself as the speaker of these words, it's almost like he says to us, you remember me, right? I'm the one who made all of this. I'm the one who reached out farther than any telescope can see and put every single star in its place. I'm the one who carved out the Grand Canyon. I'm the one who molded the peak of Mount Everest. I'm the one who sprouts out every pine tree, every palm tree, every blade of Bermuda on every golf course green. I'm the one who made every creature under heaven, all the way from giant T-Rex down to teeny tiny H1N1 virus. I'm the one who took a pile of dirt and gave it six billion lines of DNA. You remember that? Do you remember how? He simply said, let there be, and it was. No words are more powerful than God's words. And here in these verses, God uses those same powerful words to essentially say, there is someone that I want you to meet, someone that I want to identify for you. So pay attention. He walks among you as an ordinary human being. There's nothing that stands out as far as his appearance goes, but he is my servant. He is my chosen instrument for a very special purpose to bring into this world the thing that mankind needs more than anything else, to bring into this world a thing called justice. And when the prophet Isaiah uses that word justice in these verses, he's referring to a state or condition where everything between God and man is exactly right, exactly the way that it should be. He's referring to something that is at the heart and core of the very identity that you and I long so desperately for, to know with absolute certainty that we are right with our God and that he is perfectly pleased with us. Of course, the servant that Isaiah, that God identifies here in Isaiah, he would also identify in reality 700 years later. There by the banks of the Jordan River, all of a sudden he split open heaven and again spoke with those same powerful words. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is my servant. Of course, Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. Jesus is the one that God sent not only to bring justice to the world, but to proclaim that justice to the world. So let's think about this for a second. God himself takes on human flesh, comes down to this earth to announce that there is justice for the people of the earth. And he possesses the very same powerful words of God that God used to call the universe into existence. How will he go about proclaiming this justice? Well, here's the thing Isaiah points out to us. When God goes to announce to people that there is justice, he's not... He's not speaking to inanimate objects like snowflakes or supernovas. He's speaking to human hearts. Something that Isaiah describes in these verses are like bruised reeds. 
or smoldering wicks, things that are often very fragile, very breakable, very delicate, things that need to be handled with care. And unlike the words that God speaks to his creation, where the purpose is simply irresistible, compulsory obedience, the words that God speaks to our human hearts are meant to produce hope, faith, trust. Things that by their very nature can't be forced out of people but must be offered willingly. And so as God's servant Jesus goes out to announce the good news of God's justice, he doesn't roll back the heavens and thunder down with a booming voice from above. No, as as Isaiah prophesied, he used nothing more than a gentle whisper. Isaiah said, he's not going to shout. He's not going to cry out. He's not going to raise his voice in the streets because that bruised reed, he's not going to break it. That smoldering wick, he's going to make sure that it isn't snuffed out. Friends, as I said before, God wants you to find the identity that you so desperately long for. And when he brings the good news of Jesus to you, he doesn't open up the heavens and shout down from above. No, instead he uses that, that quiet, gentle whisper. When you can't seem to put out of your mind the things that you've done to other people, the things that have caused pain and hurt to people you love, God whispers to you that long, long ago he removed those sins from his mind for Jesus' sake. When your shortcomings and your sins seem to follow you around wherever you go, when you can't seem to escape your past, God whispers to you that he has removed those sins from you as far as the east is from the west. When all of your hopes and dreams seem to have gone up in a flame of failure, God whispers to you that you have a a future that is not only bright, but is absolutely eternal and absolutely certain. For hearts that are often like those bruised reeds and those smoldering wicks, that that whisper that God approaches us with is exactly what we need. The only thing that can bring us that identity that we so desperately long for. But you know, here's the thing about a whisper. It's easy to ignore, isn't it? It's easy to tune out a whisper. It's easy to drown out a whisper with other noise. I mean, why else do we sometimes convince ourselves that hearing God's word really isn't all that important? Or why do we even convince ourselves that as long as we we sit here and hear God's word for one hour a week, that really ought to do it, that ought to be enough? Why else, when God has told us exactly what he thinks of us, do we still often care so much about how we look compared to others? When God has told us what he thinks of us, why do we care so much about what our Facebook profile says about us, what our 1040 tax return says about us, or what the bathroom scale says about us? See, it's almost like a a catch-22. Because our hearts are so often like that bruised reed and that smoldering wick, the only way God can approach us is with that gentle, quiet whisper. But because he does, it's not only possible, it's often so easy for us to turn around and ignore it. It's really no excuse, and it's certainly not a fault with God's design. 
But what's amazing is that in his love for us, God seizes that opportunity and does even more. See, when God wanted to identify his son Jesus, his servant, he did use words, but he also used action. Already in the prophet Isaiah, God had promised, I am going to put my spirit on him. And that prophecy as well was fulfilled on the banks of the Jordan River when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of that dove. God not only spoke about his son that day, God allowed people to see action that day that made it crystal clear exactly who Jesus was. He gave them something to look at. In fact, that action was so important that John the Baptist himself, the one who baptized Jesus, actually said later on, I would not have known who he was, except the one who sent me told me that the one on whom you see the Spirit come down, he's the one. Well, that sure would be nice, wouldn't it? You see, the Holy Spirit, as we talked about with the kids before, the Holy Spirit is so vitally important for our relationship with God. He's the one who's ultimately responsible for producing in our, heart, our hearts that faith, that hope, that trust, that confidence. And so it's no wonder that people sort of have this innate desire to want to see the Holy Spirit at work. They want to see his power and see his activity. And sometimes they think that the Spirit's activity can be seen in things like like speaking in tongues or like being able to perform miracles of healing. Now, whether those things go on in the church today is sort of another topic for another day, but here's what I'll say this morning. Friends, God gives us something even better than that. God starts by making a promise that he's going to send the Holy Spirit into the world and into our hearts And then he tells us that he's going to attach the coming of the Holy Spirit to a very specific action, a very specific sign. And in fact, he chooses the very same sign that he used in the case with Jesus. He chooses baptism. And so he takes water. Water, the most common and prevalent compound on the face of the whole earth. The compound that covers 75% of the surface of the earth. The compound that you can hardly go anywhere without being able to get your hands on. He starts with that water and he attaches to it a set of actions that are so simple, so easy, that absolutely no one, no matter how old they are, no matter how young they are, cannot participate. Actions that are so simple and easy that for the one who's doing them, well, it's almost impossible to screw up. He takes that water, he takes those actions, and he makes a remarkable promise. He says, when you do this, when you baptize I will send my Holy Spirit into that person's heart. Friends, God was so concerned about identifying his servant, his son Jesus, that he not only spoke, but he also used actions. And God is no less concerned about making sure that we have that identity that we long for as well. And so he tells us, he whispers to us, that because of Jesus, we are right with God and he is pleased with us. And he also shows us, promises us, that in baptism, he sends the Holy Spirit into our hearts to mark us as his dearly loved, redeemed children. That that identity, 
that we all want to be so confident of and comfortable with, that identity that we want to be sure of and satisfied with, what is it? Well, I can't think of any better way to say it than in the words of the hymn that we just sang. Who do you really think you are? God's own child, I gladly say it. How do you know? I am baptized into Christ. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org. Thank you.